0: So if you remember back two Sundays ago, we began our journey to Christmas by lighting the the first candle of Advent, and uh, as we've gone along, you've heard in the readings that that word Advent means the coming or the expected arrival of something, and that's exactly what we do over these four weeks as a church, the church with a capital C, uh, the church of the universal uh, body of Christ, of which this group is a small part. Uh, along with all other true believers of every time and place, reflect on the idea of arrival. Uh, the arrival of Christ as a child in Bethlehem, and also on his second coming in glory. Uh, that's a lot. But that's not all that we're doing this month, as important as that is. Because as an individual, particular church, remember, we're doing something else special. Uh, because we have also been looking at that brilliant little collection of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. I remember we had finished the Hallel Psalms about uh, a couple weeks back with Psalm 119 three weeks ago. Uh, And then with Psalm 120, we began this whole new chapter with the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, And just like those Hallel Psalms we looked at were a traditional part of holiday worship, for the people of god as they celebrated their annual feast in the temple and in its courts these psalms of a sense were the the songs and the hymns that they sang with their family and friends as they traveled home to celebrate and like the the playlist you have on a road trip they were the carols that would have gotten them in the mood during those weeks leading up to the festivities Uh, as they made their yearly pilgrimages either in little family groups or large caravans up to the temple in jerusalem and for us now 21 centuries later uh, although their lyrics sound very different than the holiday music that we're accustomed to this set of psalms there's 15 of them in all that we're going to look at teach us how to be holiday travelers too how to uh, hold on to the promises that god has for his people people just like those men and women of long ago as we make our own way onward and upward to the new Jerusalem, the city of the great king whose birth uh, all the world is celebrating right now, whether they realize it or know it or not. But, But for those of us who love him, for us we're waiting anxiously for the joy and rejoicing of his imminent return. And it's there that Psalm 122 meets us today on this third Sunday of Advent, uh, a day which you probably notice is like unlike any of the others. Uh, one that really stands out almost as, as starkly as that rose-colored candle does in the lineup of the other royal purple ones. A day that's intentionally inserted in the liturgy to help lift our eyes even if only briefly out of the staid and somber circumstances that surround us on a daily basis, and help us catch a glimpse of the goodness of our God in the joy of the promise that he made to his chosen people in the past, uh, and of the, the ultimate fulfillment of that promise through his sovereign grace worked out in the gospel of his beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do today is actually and that kind of theme of music is take a look at the source of our joy uh, and how we're going to hold on to it, even when everything in our lives seems to be upside down. And we're going to do that by looking at at some sacred music as well, two pieces of music, actually. Uh, The first, of course, will be our Psalm 122, the song that David wrote, the one that uh, comes up today for us in the logical progression of our series. And if you're just joining us for the first time, remember we started... Two and a half years ago, with Psalm number one, and and here we are, 122 Sundays later. Uh, and the second, the second piece of music is a more familiar one to the season. It's the song of the Virgin Mary when she found out that she was going to be the mother of our Lord. It comes to us from Luke chapter one. But let's let's look at the the song first. So, if you have your Bibles, I encourage it to open to Psalm 122, and it's superscribed a song of ascent of David. And David wrote, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And now just keep keep that kind of in, in one part of your mind. And if you have your Bibles there, turn now to Mary's song as we... Uh, find it recorded in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. Uh, while you're you're flipping there, this, this section is sometimes referred to as the Magnificat. Uh, it's just a name that comes from the first word of the Latin version of the text, and what it means is to magnify. And Mary's song is all about magnifying God's salvation, the salvation that he gives us in Jesus Christ. And even though he hadn't been born yet at the time that she sings it, Uh, She wants to praise Him and magnify His name and give glory to God for what He has done in and through her and for the great promise He's about to keep to the whole world. And so if you have your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. Luke records for us that Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on... All generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all those who fear Him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He scattered the proud and haughty ones. He brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to us today. And let's pray together. God, our Father, who has caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us today so to hear by your Holy Spirit that we may embrace and hold fast the truth that you have given us in them and lift the darkness, we pray, from our minds by the grace of your visitation and the joy of our eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in whose name we pray and who we desire to see in your word. Amen. So I hope you were able to, to catch just some sense of the similarities between those two sections of sacred scripture that we read uh, to catch kind of the expression of joy over the great reversals of deliverance uh, in the face of, of really unlikely circumstances because remember with god nothing is impossible did you catch the parallels you see in psalm 122 we have david this guy who's the the youngest and and least impressive of all of jesse's sons the little shepherd boy, from whom no one expected much of anything much less the greatness to which god raised him and raised his capital city just like we read in in verse five where it says of jerusalem that was the place where thrones for judgment were set the thrones of the house of David in that holy city that uh, God had chose and that he chose to place his name upon. The place where God promised to meet with Israel and uh, and ultimately with all the people of the earth through the redemptive ministry of the Messiah and, and to deliver them from the physical and spiritual darkness of this present world. And, you know, the very same theme rings from uh, Mary's song of praise for God and the magnificence And now, of course, you know, experientially the idea of a delivery for her and she was pregnant and the tangibleness of God's presence in salvation that were much more immediate, you might say, than they were for David. But from both Mary and David, we hear their amazement at what God has done as he enters the world by overturning everything we've come to expect to come to us from the world through making up, down, and, and down, up. And giving hope to those who by all rights should be completely hopeless, but who against all hope are led into a place of lasting joy. And that's exactly why Mary's song starts out in Luke chapter 1 saying, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my soul rejoices in God my Savior. And if you don't remember what prompted her to sing those lines, well, for that we have to back up about 20 verses or so. Uh, earlier in the text, where we find the appearance of the angel Gabriel in Luke chapter one. So, if you're if you're flipping there in your Bibles, we're going to be looking uh, a little further back at uh, Luke chapter one verse one. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You guys remember the story, right? Right? The the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, announces to her that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby to be born will be called the Son of God. And and after this incredible announcement, this miraculous conception, Mary is so filled with joy She just has to share the news, so she goes off to visit her relative Elizabeth, who, if you remember, is expecting a miraculous child of her own. And when the two women meet, they're both so overwhelmed with joy at everything that's taken place in both of their lives, they just break into songs, the songs of worship and the songs of praise. And so when Mary says that her spirit is rejoiced in God, She's saying that she's now finally understood exactly who God is. She knows what he's done. She knows what he's said in his word and how it's all going to work out. And she believes in the truth that he's revealed. Those truths revealed all the way back from the days of David in Psalm 122. And you know, guys, that's really the, the beginning point of all true worship of God and a real understanding of the realities about him because, you know, true worship doesn't depend on the flutter of emotion right it depends on spiritually understanding the scriptures and mary is showing us that today in the way she worshiped because you see mary's whole life was thoroughly soaked in scripture we, we know that from the words that she spoke because this song of hers is so similar to songs that she would have sung from her childhood uh, growing up in, in church basically singing and reading the psalms because remember just like we've said this book of psalms this was israel's hymnal and the psalms were were scripted to be sung and to be recited repeatedly just like those great songs that we love to sing in worship those familiar ones we sung this morning and they had just as big an impact on the people of god in mary's day as those classic hymns that we love to sing have on us one commentator said that to the jews the Psalms saturate the memory and the hope of the life of Israel, a life given by God, and live back to Him in worship. And so I have no doubt that Mary would have known Psalm 122. And not only as a holiday tradition, but because Mary knew the Word of God. She knew it in her heart, and it just naturally came out of her when she worshiped. And you can see that as her her song transitions in Luke from uh, praising God just kind of generally to being joyful about what God was doing for her personally. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 48, she turn to Luke chapter one forty-eight. she says, For uh, he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. And so right off the bat here, firstly, Mary She speaks of her her own lowly state, of her her modesty of spirit, of her meekness of heart in the face of this great revelation from heaven. But it also refers to her human condition, right? The same one that we're all afflicted with. Because she understood that she was in need of a Savior, just like everyone else. Secondly, she also recognizes that she's a servant. She recognizes she has a servant's heart. She refers to herself as the handmaiden of God. And she knows that she doesn't automatically deserve anything from God, but she just wants to serve and to please Him. And she realizes it's only because of God's grace and not her own merits that from then on, all generations will call her blessed. And you know, when she says that, it's not a statement of pride, but it's a remembrance of what the angel Gabriel had already said to her when he appeared. Remember, he said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary has been blessed, right? She's the most favored woman who ever walked the face of the earth. But that wasn't designed to lead us to idolize her or to worship her directly, which is something that I'm confident Mary would not have wanted, but to show us rather that we are all blessed if we accept the gift of Jesus from the hand of God. Because there is a way, and I would just mention this to to my friends back there, that we can actually be blessed just as much, if not more, than Mary. And it comes up later in the life of Jesus. If you know the story, if you remember, he's teaching one day in the multitudes, in the crowds, and a woman shouts out to him to the crowd, "Lord, blessed is the womb that bore you." Listen, listen to how Jesus answered her in Luke eleven twenty-eight. Listen to how he answers back to the woman. He says back to her, "Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it." Right? He says back to her, "Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it." Now. Don't mishear me. Jesus was not trying to downplay the significance of Mary's blessing, but He was putting her blessedness in perspective. Because as we've already seen, Mary was blessed because of her knowledge and obedience to the Word of God and not to herself. And Jesus reveals here that if you and I want to be blessed, if we want to be blessed, as I said, just as much if not more than Mary, all we have to do is do the same exact thing that she did, and that's hear the Word of God and obey it. And that's where true joy and blessedness from God comes from, whether you're David in the old kingdom of Israel, or Mary in the first century, or you and me here today. And Mary's song spells that out as her song continues. She tells us she understands not only what God has done for her, but the joy she has in what God has done for the whole world. And that comes up in uh, Luke 1, verse 50. She says, He shows mercy from generation to generation, to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. You see, Mary sings that God responds to two different people in two different kinds of ways in this world. There are those who fear God and obey him, and there are those who are proud and arrogant. Well, the ones who fear God and obey him and his word receive mercy. And provision for their needs, they're exalted. And Mary's song also shows us that the opposite happens for those who trust only in themselves. For those folks who are arrogant and proud, uh, she said they're cast down, they're scattered. She's saying the proud trust in themselves and in their own thoughts, but God scatters their plans and they don't work out. Which is while the proud are brought down and left empty-handed, the humble and lowly are filled and exalted. And it's not because their plans were so great, but because their God was. Right? God in His great gift of redemption. A gift that God poured out on the world through the coming of Messiah and what Jesus has done in lifting us up out of the pit of sin and slavery so that everyone who believes on Him, no matter what time period you were born in, whether you're one of the Old Testament folks looking ahead to the cross or you're us looking back on His saving work in history, receives the joy of redemption and eternal life. That's what Mary's talking about when she says, "He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him." She's saying it's a, it's a done deal. It's the same idea uh, that David latched onto in Psalm one twenty two, where we read, "Our feet have been standing within Your gates, O Israel." Our feet have been standing here, and, and this is kind of subtle, but but think about it like this. You know, we're supposed to be looking at the psalms of, of ascent, those psalms of, of of going to Jerusalem, of, of traveling, of, of heading toward the house of God. But here, David seems to be saying that we're already there. We're already there by faith in the Messiah. And there's a very real sense uh, of being in the loving, protective, powerful presence of the Lord all of the time, no matter where we are. That, that's the already but not yet of the Christian life that Advent captures so beautifully This sense that we are saved and we are safe right now. And yet progressively sanctified as we move more and more and further and further toward our eternal destination. Either at our death or at the glorious return of the King, whichever comes first. And that's our joy this Christmas. The good news has been passed down from generation to generation through the whole world. And right into this church today. The blessedness of God through Jesus Christ for everyone who responds to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to receive the greatest gift that comes to us in the simplest and humblest of wrappings, and bringing the joy of salvation not just to all the world, but to you. And and as I close, this is you know this is where Christmas really becomes intensely personal, because it's not enough just to say abstractly that you believe Christ came, uh, that He was born, that He existed millions of people say that and they're still lost in their sins it's not enough to say that christ came for someone else or even for anyone else because you and i can never be saved unless and until the holy spirit shows us that jesus came for me he died for me that he rose from the dead for me do you believe that today you know in just a very few days christmas is going to be here Families are going to gather around Tree to open presents. I know my kids are counting the days till they can rip into theirs, but they haven't even been wrapped yet, so don't get too excited. Uh, and why not? Because what good is a gift that you never open? What good is a holiday trip that has no destination? And, church, this year, what good is a plastic, sugary-coated holiday that leaves you as bloated and disappointed in yourself emotionally as downing a whole box of Russell Stovers candy? Uh, all by yourself does physically, right? I know you've done that. Uh, But no, this year, let's unwrap something really practical. Something that gives us a joy that eclipses the difficulties of the week. Something that carries us along even though the road may be filled with dark shadows and deep valleys. I don't know about you, but this year I want the real deal. the, The genuine article. The gift given totally free but coming at the greatest cost. And you don't even have to wait for it to be delivered because it's right here in this room today. All because 2,000 years ago, God sent a gift wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. The gift of God for the people of God. The baby in the manger, the creator of the universe clothed in human flesh. And you may never get another chance again. So I urge you in His name, don't leave here today without receiving Him. Will you pray with me? God, our Father... God of joy, God of peace, we thank you for the gift that we have in your Son, our Lord. And so we ask you, Father, to move among us now by your Holy Spirit, uh, open minds, change hearts, uh, and let your will be done in the lives of this people. And we ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.